I have this against you. You have left your first love. And really what this is speaking about is that in the midst of good works, discernment, pure doctrine, they're not adequate substitutes for the rich relationship of mutual love that Jesus wants to have with you. Jesus is not as interested in dutiful obedience as he is interested in rapturous love. Do you love Jesus Your immediate answer is hopefully yes, of course. But as you'll learn today from Pastor Daniel, saying you love Jesus and actually loving him are two different things. Love inspires action, not simply words. And today, you'll see that a church in the time of the Apostle John had neglected their love for Jesus. This was about to have dire consequences if they didn't change their ways. And it's a lesson we all need to heed. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Revelation chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Church in Ephesus. Verse 2, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear with those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. You found them liars, and you have persevered and you have patience and you have labored for my namesake and you have not become weary. See, Jesus knows what this church, the church in Ephesus was going through. He knew all the strengths and weaknesses that they had. And I think it's a powerful thing when you realize that Jesus knows what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life. He knows what's happening. He knows the things that you've done really well at. And for the church in Ephesus here, Jesus has seven different things that they did. I know your works. I know how you're working. I know your labor. I know how you're exuding energy to get certain things done. I I know your patience. I love that. Because I don't think Jesus ever knows that about me because I'm working on that. Right? It's like, I know your patience. And I'm like, I wish Jesus would say that to me one day. Because I'm, I'm like, I'm that guy. I'm like, right now, everything should have been done yesterday. When I have to do something, I'm like, I should have had that done yesterday. And the Lord's like, Daniel, patience is the fruit of the Spirit. I'm like, ah, oh Lord. But every time, I'll never forget when I was reading this many, many years ago. I know your works, your labor, and your patience. And I was immediately thought of a scripture verse. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Because in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 3, the apostle Paul picks up works, labor, and patience and puts it into a scripture verse. That's what he says. To the church of Thessalonica, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God, our Father. Isn't that beautiful? Work, labor, and patience. Your work of faith. Remember, we've always said it. We don't get saved by works. We have a faith that works. James said, faith without works is dead. What he's saying is that if you have faith in Jesus, it will change how you live. If your faith in Jesus does not change how you live, then you don't have faith in Jesus. Because true biblical faith is expressed in the world. Not to save us, but because we're saved, because the spirit of God is in us, our lives change. So there's a work of faith. 
There's a labor of love. I love that. There's a labor of love. That sometimes love and loving, you have to work at it. It's, you have to labor in it. Jesus said, greater love is no other than this, than a man would lay down his life for his friends. Talk about a labor of love. You are Jesus's labor of love. So am I. And also this patience and hope. I love that. That marriage of this idea of long suffering, but with hope. All through the Bible, what you find is that a believer can have hope because Jesus was risen from the grave. Right? So we have your work. I know your labor. I know your patience. He goes on to say that you cannot bear those who are evil. So what you have here is that this is a church that's not compromising. They're not letting things slide, right? It's like they're not allowing evil to proliferate. And in a lot of ways, it is, I believe it is the moral responsibility of a follower of Jesus to intervene where evil is proliferating. It is. Because holiness demands it. It's funny, I've been talking to my son about this. My, you know, my son is, I love my Obadiah. He's just such a good dude. You know, he's almost 17. And we were talking about like, what happens if you see someone being bullied? I'm like, you should stop it. What happens if I get in trouble? I'm like, well, you might get in trouble at school, but you won't get in trouble with me. Because godly men step in where evil exists. Plain and simple. You have to. And godly women step in when evil exists. I didn't mean to make that like, just like, you know, godly people step in because evil is antithetical to the gospel. And so where there is injustice, where there are things that are wrong, godly people step on into that. And the church in Ephesus, they could not bear evil, right? Like this stuff is not right. We're not going to put up with that. But not only that, they're also discerning that you have tested those who say they're apostles and they're not, and you found them liars. Now, can I say this real quick? Brothers and sisters, listen. I love you all, and I love the body of Christ. But everyone needs to start reading their Bible a lot more. Because there is so much garbage in the body of Christ that people run after, and all they have to do is read your Bibles, and you'll realize this is not real. I remember when we decided we were going to do the TV ministry. And I remember being like, they were like, Daniel, you should go on TV. And I remember being like, bro, I got a face for radio. Right? (laughs) And nobody disagreed with that statement. Like, everyone was like, yes. And then I'm like, bro, like, you know when someone's on TV, like the TV preacher thing. And I had someone, I'll never forget this. It was like, literally, it was like, someone said to me, you know what's funny, Daniel? I knew you were going to say that. And I'm like, oh, yeah? And they're like, think about this. Before the internet, what was the most profound medium that has impacted Western culture? The TV. And he's like, and what happened? Right as Christians went on TV, a whole bunch of people started making all this money, living crazy, not following the gospel, and all the biblical people left because they didn't want to be associated with it. And he said, what if I told you you're supposed to go on TV so that you can teach the word on there? And be different than the only thing that people are going to get on TV. Now, there's other great biblical preachers on TV. It's not only me, you know. But I remember them saying that and being like, ooh, yow, okay. But here's the deal. 
We all need to be like Bereans, Acts 17, 11. The Bereans were more fair-minded or sober-minded than those in Thessalonica because they searched the scriptures diligently to see if these things were so. There is so much that is being passed as Christianity that has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with the gospel. It has nothing to do with repentance, transformation. People are making all sorts of money and ruining the witness of the church in the name of just making, just exciting people's egos, their flesh, getting their flesh all stirred up. And it's very popular in a culture that doesn't know Jesus. So brothers and sisters, I love that the church in Ephesus would say, you have tested those who say that they're apostles. Like you've checked it out. Like, are they really that? And if they're character and testimony does not back up what they say they believe, then you need to be discerning enough to not follow them. Now, I realize, like, you may be like, Fusco, like, hey, man, you're preaching to the choir here. But listen, I realize that we live in a day and age, there was a time when you just came to church, the church told you what you needed to know, and you went home. Now we live in a day where everyone consumed, there's so much information everywhere. And I never, ever, ever tell people not to think and read widely. If you know me, you know that I'm like, hey man, like read widely, think about things. But man, we need to keep the Bible on the right hand of strength, people. And we need to check everything against the scriptures. And when something doesn't feel right, you search the scriptures to find out why is this not sitting right? Because we need discernment in this day and age. Biblical discernment. Because there's so many things passing for biblical ideas that just aren't. They're just not. And what's amazing is, is when you say, well, listen, you know the Bible says this and this. You'll say, oh, 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 hold on. Right? We need biblical discernment. And I'm here to tell you, all of us are smarter and have more access to information than maybe at any point in history. Like, you need to know something, just Google it. Like, all the time, people in the family, hey, Pastor Daniel, what's that verse? I'm like, you know, that's why God invented Google. I mean, I can tell you the verse, but like you learn by finding it. Like you find it. You're like, this is what, and I do that to be cheeky. And you know that I love you. And I say that stuff and everyone giggles like, oh, you're so funny, you know? But it's like, I want you to be biblical people with biblical discernment. And we need to be discerning. And we need to be able to call somebody like, hey, I'm not so sure about that. And not only that, this church continues to persevere, continues to have patience, continues to labor in the name of Jesus, And they haven't become weary. So obviously, there's a lot of good in the church in Ephesus. And it'd be great if it stayed there, but notice what Jesus says. Nevertheless, this is verse four, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, verse five, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, really what this teaches us, I'm just going to take the words, you and I, we need to return to our first love. You need to return to your first love. As good as the church in Ephesus was, and they have a great list of, these are good things. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. And really what this is speaking about is that in the midst of good works, discernment, pure doctrine, They're not adequate substitutes for the rich relationship of mutual love that Jesus wants to have with you. Jesus is not as interested in dutiful obedience as he is interested in rapturous love. 
Because he realizes that doctrine in the moment of temptation might not hold you, but love for Jesus will hold you. See, it's not about love is just an emotion. This is about a reality when somebody realizes that they are loved by God. Right? And as you're loved by God, God's love is changing your life. And then all these different temptations may come, but your love for Jesus actually holds you back from things that might be enticing in that moment. And Jesus realizes that without us having this biblical love, receiving the love of God and responding to it and letting that be what is most important and primary in our lives, he says, without that, over time, the lack of proper emotion to go along with the biblical motion, that there will be a falling away. And that's why he says, unless you change this, And change it quickly, I'm going to have to remove your lampstand from its place. Which is really a terrifying thing. Because if you think about the lampstands, and I haven't even really talked about this in this series yet. you got to remember, in the tabernacle in the temple, there was the seven branch. There's one lampstand with seven branches. But in the book of Revelation, there's seven individual light bearers. One for each church. And what happens is he's saying, they're bright now, I'm in their midst. But if they do not keep their hearts right with me, the light is going to be diminished and I'm going to have to find another light source. And if you look at, if you read church history, what you find is that great movements, denominations, they shine bright, but very few of them shine bright forever. And if you read church history, you read like there is always renewal and revival movements that have come at every phase within the life of the church because what was once powerfully used has been diminished. I'll be honest, in my own tribe, I see that. Part of the great Jesus movement. But now fractured in a million pieces with a ton of ego. Unable to reconcile character assassin, all this craziness. And you're like, come on. Like, we're biblical people. But what I realize is that you can do everything. My pastor used to say, Daniel, you got to make sure that we're not so right, we're wrong. And I used to be like, what are you talking about? Like, like, what does that even mean? But what I realize is how many of you have seen someone, they love Jesus, and then all of a sudden they get caught up in a certain sect of teaching, and before you know it, Rather than loving Jesus and loving everybody, everything you say, you didn't say it right. I find that, like, I'm a great lover of theology. I read a lot of theology all the time. Sometimes people get into a theological position before you know it. They were so nice and kind. Now, every time, if you don't say it exactly the way their favorite pastor said it, obviously you don't believe anything. And you're just like, you used to just love Jesus and love people, and now you're the theology police. Now, I'm grateful None of you are like that. But the thing is, is if you lose the love of Jesus, then the Bible becomes a weapon, a theological weapon. And brothers and sisters, we need to make sure we keep ourselves centered on our first love. This reminds me, of course, of that idea of young love. You ever hear of young love? I remember when me and Lynn first got married. Gosh, a little while ago now, she's still super young, but I'm old as an old dog these days. But I remember we must have been married for like three months. 
And we were sitting at a table and there was a couple of, old, you know, oh, more seasoned saints, older people. And we were sitting there and me and Lynn, we were just like snuggled in, you know what I mean? Like she was just right there. And, and one of the ladies like, oh, young love, it won't last. <laughs> I was just like, gosh, so encouraging. <laughs> but, but listen, you know, when, when someone's on their wedding day and they got sparkles in their eyes and, and the funny is like, Lynn and I have been married long enough now and we see that we're like, oh man, I hope that lasts a while for him. Because it's like, you know, marriage is two porcupines trying to snuggle together. And so it, it can be a little messy. <laughs> but when, they're in, when you're in love and everyone, like everyone who isn't in love is like, get away from me. Like it's like, but there's something so beautifully naive about that, isn't there? And the thing is, is that in our relationship with people, because nobody's perfect, at some point you realize your spouse is imperfect. You probably knew it already if you didn't know it. You know, and if you're with someone right now, you're like, they're perfect. <laughs> Praying for you. Like, and I mean that in just total love. It's just like a like real deal. But with Jesus, that love is a, like, our love for Jesus at the beginning is the most immature. And because our Savior is not flawed, but he's perfect because our savior is forgiving and gracious. Our love with Jesus as it matures should get deeper and better and more profound. And that love actually changes our marital love and our relationships because we're receiving his perfect love. That changes the way we treat other people because we don't need our spouse to complete us because they were never going to in the first place. They're supposed to be our companion. Jesus completes us and it frees us to love imperfect people because we have experienced being loved as imperfect people by Jesus. So we have to return our first love. Jude says it this way. This is Jude verses 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, you're beloved. Build yourself up in your faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit and keep yourself in the love of God. And that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, church in Ephesus, Crossroads Community Church, the church of Jesus Christ, keep yourself in God's love. For the church in Ephesus, because they had left their first love, Jesus does give them a prescription on how to change this. Notice what he says. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. I'll give you three R's. You want, if you're like hearing this right now, you're like, man, I need to return to my first love. You need to remember, you need to repent, and you need to return. He's saying, remember what it used to be like when you had that young love with Jesus, when you couldn't wait for church to start. You were praising before the music even started. Right? When it was like when the Bible study ended, you went home and read five chapters. Like, remember what it was like, and then repent. Repent is not a scary word, even though I first heard the word repent walking out of Grand Central Station in New York, some guy on a soapbox, frothing at the mouth, screamed, repent. And I remember like, oh, hey, my parents told me New York was kind of seedy, but let me get moving here. You know? But what I realized later is repent, the word repent is not an angry word. It is a word of love saying, listen, it's time for you to change your mind. And when you change your mind, it's going to change your direction. And when it changes your direction, it's going to change your heart. And when it changes your heart, it's going to change the whole direction of your life. 
Repentance is the cry of a loving God to a fallen away humanity that says, it's time for you to come back home to where you belong. So we remember where we are. We repent and then return. We go back and we do the first works all over again. So what was it like when you had young love with Jesus? Were you devouring the Bible? We'll start devouring the Bible again. You might say, well, Fusco, I don't want to. Well, guess what? If you start doing it, you'll develop an appetite for it again. If you were the person, when you first, when you loved Jesus, you'd go to, man, it was a prayer meeting anytime. Sometimes you want to pray. Yeah, let's pray. Let's pray. You pray all day long. Now you're like, man, I can only even pray for three seconds. Well, guess what? It's time to call a prayer meeting. Say, hey, who wants to have a prayer meeting? If no one wants to, then you pray. Again, you do again what you used to do. And I'll be honest, I've been walking with Jesus for 20 years. And remember, repent and return is my lifestyle. Because in my life as a follower of Jesus, I realize that the things are always, there's mission creep. There's always things sliding off. It's like, no, that thing, I, I stopped doing that. And it's always like, okay, I need to remember what it was like. And I need to repent. I need to turn from going my own way, turn back to Jesus. And I need to do the things I know I'm supposed to do. And oh, I'm here to tell you, that never ends in your Christian life. There are things that you used to do five years ago that you're supposed to still be doing now, but you're not doing. You need to start doing it again. So I hear crossroads. We're simply responding to Jesus, right? Where do you think I got that from? Remember, repent, and return. Because Jesus is saying, come on, I want to do a work in you. What I did in the past was great. What I want to do now is different. Let me do what I want to do in you. Finally, let's close this message out here. Verse six. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes... I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So this letter ends with a simple encouragement to let Jesus give you life. He's inviting the church of Ephesus to let him give them life. Now, he responds to their, what they had done wrong, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Now, people are going to ask, so what are the Nicolaitans? And be honest, nobody really knows, but we do know that two of the churches have issues with the Nicolaitans. For the church, they hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. A little bit later, if my memory serves correct, it's the church in Pergamum, yeah, where they hated the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So there was some sort of a sect called the Nicolaitans that had some sort of teaching or way of following Jesus that was impacting these seven churches. Now, some scholars would say that it's actually founded by Nicholas, who was one of the seven deacons from Acts chapter 6. But we don't know because Nicholas was a pretty common name in the back in the day. So does that make sense? So we don't know exactly who the Nicolaitans were, but we do know that there was some sort of a false teaching and false way of worshiping that was moving through this area that the church in Ephesus was fighting against. Notice, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So Jesus isn't on the side of the Nicolaitans. The church in Ephesus isn't on the side of the Nicolaitans, but it is some sort of an issue. Jesus is... That was a powerful lesson to learn today. Loving Jesus is the first and most important part of living for him. You can learn all the words of the Bible and practice all the deeds it calls for, but if you don't have love for Jesus, you're missing a key part. Pastor Daniel shared that it's dangerous to only rely on theology. 
it becomes a weapon instead of a tool for growth. Today, come back to Jesus. Remember how you loved him when you first gave your life to him? And then let that fuel your actions. Hey, everybody. Pastor Daniel here, lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. We would love to connect with you in person. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. If you are not able to join us in person, connect with us online at live.crossroadschurch.net or find us on Facebook at Go, the number two, and Crossroads. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel moves to the second church who received a letter, the church in Smyrna. These devoted followers of Jesus were enduring persecution, and sadly, it seems like it was going to continue. But they were seen, their hardships were known, and Jesus was there to encourage them. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.